Don't say anything, Squidward. Remember your karma. What? Oh, yes, we have got ourselves a Sunday MLB morning coffee for you here at the Ocean Avenue Studios. My name is Greg Mraz. I am your host, as per usual. A couple of reminders, please remember to write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. I hope that you all go back and listen to our last episode that we did with Jack Selliman of Snapback Sports. He is one of the best social media sports content creators out there. He has over a million followers on Snapchat, and he's only 23 years old. This dude is a superstar, and we had a phenomenal conversation. Since we've entered the age of COVID-19, I haven't really brought you any episodes on Sundays, and the reason for that is that there really hasn't been that much news, and for the most part, if there's no sports going on in the news cycle, you pretty much don't get anything significant on a Sunday, or for that matter, a Saturday night. Well, that changed last night, because effectively, negotiations between the MLB owners, and the MLB Players Association completely blew up. So let's go back in the timeline a little bit. We did not do an episode for Friday, but on Friday afternoon, the Major League Baseball owners came back with another proposal, this of 72 games and another reduction in salaries. I believe it was 80% prorated. It basically equated to the same money that Major League Baseball had been giving the players in each of their previous three offers. Major League Baseball just continues to repackage the same thing. So, on Saturday night, the MLB Players Association and their director, Tony Clark, released this statement. I am going to read it to you in its entirety in case you have not read it. Quote, Players want to play. It's who we are and what we do. Since March, the association has made it clear that our number one focus is playing the fullest season possible, as soon as possible, as safely as possible. Players agreed to billions in monetary concessions as a means to that end, and in the face of repeated media leaks and misdirection, we made additional proposals to inject new revenues into the industry, proposals that would benefit the owners, players, broadcast partners, and fans alike. It's now become apparent that these efforts have fallen upon deaf ears. In recent days, owners have decried the supposed unprofitability of owning a baseball team, and the commissioner has repeatedly threatened to schedule a dramatically shortened season unless players agree to hundreds of millions in further concessions. Our response has been consistent that such concessions are unwarranted, would be fundamentally unfair to players, and that our sport deserves the fullest 2020 season possible. These remain our positions today, particularly in light of new reports regarding MLB's national television rights, information we requested from the league weeks ago but were never provided. As a result, it unfortunately appears that further dialogue with the league would be futile. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. That is the statement from MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark. So, what you take from that is this. The Players Association has put it on ownership 
to schedule out a season and effectively implement this nuclear option that was built into their March 26th agreement that said that the players were going to receive fully prorated salaries. In that agreement, it said that if they could not mutually come to an agreement on a schedule, that MLB could implement one at fully prorated salaries. At fully prorated salaries is the key term here. That was written down and agreed upon. That was a contractual agreement, not a verbal understanding. And the reason why I want to make that clear is that just an hour after that statement, MLB released a statement of their own. And you can take from this what you will, but here is what I take away from the Players Association statement. We have no purpose of negotiating with the MLB owners any further because they're just going to continue to give us the same thing, which on offer number four, it's exactly the same thing. So basically, the players are done with it, and they're putting it on the owners at this point to use that nuclear option. Do the owners want to see a season of 50 games, or do they want to see a season of closer to 81 games? Basically, the players are saying, you implement a schedule, but whatever it is, we're getting fully prorated salaries, because that is what was in the March 26th agreement. And so then MLB comes out with this load of, well, I will read it to you, and I will let you be the judge. This is their press release sent by MLB verbatim, quote, We are disappointed that the MLBPA has chosen not to negotiate in good faith over resumption of play after MLB has made three successive proposals that would provide players, clubs, and our fans with an amicable resolution to a very difficult situation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The MLBPA understands that the agreement reached on March 26th was premised on the party's mutual understanding that the players would be paid their full salaries only if play resumed in front of fans and that another negotiation was to take place if clubs could not generate the billions of dollars of ticket revenue required to pay players. The MLB's position that players are entitled to virtually all the revenue from a 2020 season played without fans is not fair to the thousands of other baseball employees that clubs in our office are supporting financially during this very difficult 2020 season. We will evaluate the union's refusal to adhere to the terms of the March agreement and after consulting with ownership, determine the best course to bring baseball back to our fans, end quote. Well... That certainly is a lot to take in. Basically, the Major League Baseball owners are saying that there was this understanding that the players would have to renegotiate financially if they could not play a season in front of fans. From the players' perspective and from what the agreement says, that is not the case. What was written down in the agreement was that players were to be paid fully prorated salaries based on the amount of games that would be played. If you watched any of the MLB draft coverage and you saw Rob Manfred's interviews, it was pretty clear that he had this idea in his head that the union had an understanding that they would have to renegotiate financially if there were to be no fans in the stands. However, an understanding is different than a written contractual agreement. So maybe there was an 
understanding. But the problem, at least for the Major League Baseball owners here, is that that was not putting down on a contract. And because a written agreement trumps an oral agreement, there is no way that the owners are going to be able, in front of any third-party arbitrator, to argue that that understanding stands up legally, because it does not. And I don't want to get into legalese, but there's a couple of other bits of news that came out after this statement came from Major League Baseball. And I want to go to an article that was written by Evan Drellich of The Athletic on Friday and pointed out further by Jared Diamond of The Wall Street Journal on Saturday in that there was a letter that was sent from MLB lawyer Pat Houlihan to the MLB Players Association lawyers, and there's something in that letter that completely undermines the owner's position. So I'll start with this quote, which is in reference to Dan Halem, who is the deputy commissioner for Major League Baseball, and it is as follows, quote, Responding to Halem, a PA spokesman said, Mr. Halem's self-serving letter is filled with inaccuracies and incomplete facts. We will respond to that and the league's latest proposal in short order. It should not be forgotten, however, that even MLB admits that our March agreement does not require players to agree to further pay cuts. Indeed, as Mr. Halem agreed in a May 18th letter to Tony Clark, the association is free to take the position that players are unwilling to accept further reductions. This is the key part here as we return to the article. Pat Houlihan, MLB legal counsel, similarly acknowledged in his May 22nd letter to the Players Association, quote, We agree with the association that, under the agreement, players are not required to accept less than their full prorated salary, end quote. That letter was sent on May 22nd. May 22nd is less than a month ago. And I think we all can agree that less than a month ago, we all knew, hell, we knew two months ago that if there was a baseball season, it would be played with no fans. The NBA is on schedule to start on July 30th their closed-off-to-the-world bubble plan to finish the NBA season, i.e. three and a half months of games with no fans. So if MLB's legal counsel sends a letter to the Players Association lawyers that says that we agree that you should receive your full prorated salary, then MLB can't come back three weeks later and says, well, that was under the implication that there were going to be fans in the stands. If you sent that letter on May 22nd, you knew that there would not be fans in the stands. If you are able to send that letter at that time, you know there is going to be no fans in the stands. If there were conditions that were going to allow you to play baseball as normal, you would have already been playing by now. You would have fans in the stands, and you'd be underway. But the coronavirus is nowhere close to being under control. So... If you say to the union on May 22nd, almost two months after the season was supposed to start, and almost two months after you made your initial agreement, 
if you say we agree with the stance that says that the players should remain committed to receiving their full prorated salaries, you can't back off that and change your position when you already admitted that you agreed with the position that you're now trying to fight against. So what this is now going to come down to is this. We may not see this letter of which the Players Association speaks of, but if it comes out in a third-party arbitration case that I assume we will get to because it's pretty much been assumed that the Players Association is going to file a grievance against MLB if they implement this 48-54 to game season. And by the way, 54 games is exactly one-third of 162. And the entire time, every package that the owners have put together, the players would be getting 33% salaries. So I would imagine that you're going to see 48 at the minimum, 54 at the maximum for any season that ends up happening. And the whole point is that this just blew up. On a Saturday night, when you didn't expect any news, everything blew up. And people knew on Friday that the owner's latest proposal was a non-starter. Just like the first one was a non-starter, and the second one was a non-starter, and the third one was a non-starter. And yet, they kept trying to put the same thing in front of the players in a different way. Let me give you a really good analogy. Let's say that you're ordering a pizza. You want an 18-inch pizza. Because when the pizza man gave you the menu, you were promised for a certain price an 18-inch pizza. Well, the pizza shop doesn't want to give you an 18-inch pizza. They want to give you a 14-inch pizza. You didn't want the 14-inch pizza. You were promised the 18-inch pizza. So you say, no, we want the 18-inch pizza. So let's say that the 14-inch pizza comes with eight slices. The pizza shop comes back to you, and they present to you a 14-inch pizza with 12 slices. 12 slices is more than eight slices, so it seems like you're getting more pizza. But no, the size of the pizza is just the same. It just appears to be bigger because you created more slices. So you go back and you say, we still want the 18-inch pizza because you promised that to us. So then they come back to you, and they give you a 14-inch pizza with 16 slices. But you say, it's still the same 14-inch pizza. And then they come back, and they give you a pizza that's sliced into little miniature squares. Look how many slices of pizza here. We've got all these little squares. We could stack these in a bowl, and you've got a ton of pizza. But guess what you have in all four scenarios? A 14-inch pizza. And that's the equivalency of what we're dealing with here. The MLB Players Association effectively said, We don't want the 14-inch pizza, no matter how you present it to us. Give us the 18-inch pizza in any manner possible, even if you're giving it six inches at a time, which is effectively what they're trying to do here. I think the pizza analogy is really good here because it gives you an understanding that the visual 
The optics makes it seem different, but it is 100% the same thing, and that's why this blew up. Because the owners kept putting the same crap in front of the players when the players knew that no matter how it was structured and how it was formed, the money was going to be the same, and it was not the money that was promised to them. The big issue here, people say, well, why are they fighting over money? Why are they fighting over this or that? You agreed to a contract. There is an agreement in place, a legally binding contract that says that the players union will get fully prorated salaries based on however many games are played. You can't go off that. That is legally binding. And the players, in a collectively bargained agreement legally, do not have to reopen negotiations. They are not legally required to do that. So basically, Major League Baseball is trying to make up some scenario that says, well, the players understood that that was only if we were able to generate revenue from attendance. Well, guess what? Where is that in the legally binding contract? Is that an oral agreement? Well, maybe it was. But guess what? In a court of law, is an oral agreement going to stand up? Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Oh, yeah, I have the answer. Hell no! No way it stands up. Because that's not how contract law works. And look... I'm not an attorney. I'm not somebody that can analyze the depths of different clauses of a contract. But what I do know is this. If there is something on paper that is signed by both parties in an agreement, anything that is in that contract is legally binding. And the Players Association does not have to back off of it. So I guess the question now is... With these two sides having come to blows, what happens now? What happens is that Rob Manfred probably implements a 48-54 to game season. The Players Association files a grievance with MLB. Oh, by the way, Major League Baseball just entered into a brand new multi-year rights agreement with TBS to continue broadcasting the playoffs. That is happening. The Players Association, which it said in their statement from Tony Clark, was asking MLB to give them the details on the finances from this new television agreement to see how much money Major League Baseball and their owners would be making from this new television rights deal. And they didn't do it because MLB owners are bringing in more money with this new deal, and the players, more than likely, aren't going to see any of it. So, this gives the players another bargaining chip to say, we're not backing off because you just signed yourself a nice little new TV rights deal that's going to put more money in your pocket. That's what's happening. And that is not going to help when the Players Association and the owners have to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement after the 2021 season. You think the players are mad now? Wait till you see what happens when they have to renegotiate the entire labor agreement 
going forward. It has gotten ugly now, and it may get even uglier in the fall of 2021 when they first sit down and start negotiating a new CBA. It is going to get worse before it gets better. Baseball is walking itself off of a cliff that they may not be able to come back from. Baseball came back from what happened in 1994 when the World Series was canceled because of a labor strike. That could happen again. You may not be able to have the same type of home run race in 1998 that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had that rejuvenated the interests of baseball fans across the United States. That may not happen this time. Also remember that that was the beginning of the steroid era. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, those guys were on roids. We all knew that. Barry Bonds followed. He was on steroids. But the steroid era is a part of the history of the game. It was cheating, but it was a part of the game. And I think it's going to be fascinating with the ESPN 30 for 30 debuting tonight, long gone summer, about the home run race between Sosa and McGuire. People that watch that might end up getting the nostalgia that they had when they finally got interested in baseball again after all of the bad vibes following the 1994 strike. And look, if it is a 50-game season, we're all going to watch it. We are all desperate for some sense of normalcy. I was driving home from the golf course yesterday, and I turned on KNBR 680, the home of the San Francisco Giants, and I was listening to Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko on the radio calling Game 5 of the 2010 World Series between the Giants and the Texas Rangers. And you want to know something? For a minute, maybe not a minute, but for maybe three seconds, when I first flipped the dial over, I actually thought I was listening to a live baseball game. I really did. And then I had to remind myself that none of these stations have anything to play other than sports talk, which is really not talking about sports that is happening because now other than golf, there's really no sports happening. Well, at least no sports in the United States. None of the four major sports have returned yet. The NBA is planning on it. The NHL is planning on it. The NFL seems like they're going to carry on as normal. College football looks like it's going to start on time, although there are some concerns now about the health and safety of a football environment that applies to college football and the NFL. There are hesitations by a lot of the players about going to Orlando and being put inside a bubble for three and a half months. So there are concerns everywhere. And if baseball does come back, even with a 50-game season, you are going to see people interested and willing to watch again. But I do want to leave you with this tweet from Andy Baggerly, who covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic. And this is the best thing that I have seen on Twitter in regards to everything going on with baseball right now. This was from Friday night. Hey, MLB owners, he says, you invested in a baseball franchise and not an effing hedge fund. Start acting like you give a crap about your fans and pay the players their prorated salaries. If you make me cover a 50-game bastard season, 
I'm going to blast its legitimacy every chance I get. And that is from one of the best local baseball writers there is. Andy Baggerly of The Athletic was willing to go on Twitter last night and say that. And what that tells me is that nobody is buying the crap that the Major League Baseball owners are trying to sell you. The question now becomes, when do the owners stop selling the crap? MLB is going to force the players to play a 50-ish game season. And while we will all be happy when baseball returns, the season is not going to feel legitimate. It is going to feel like a blip on our radar screen. And when it comes down to the growth of the game of baseball in the United States, the year of 2020 may have done irreparable damage to the game that we once called America's pastime. Because quite frankly, I'm not sure baseball is America's pastime anymore, and I don't know if it will ever be able to lay that claim again. Thanks for listening to a Sunday edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great Sunday, everybody. If there is more news, we will talk to you tomorrow. If not, we probably still will talk to you tomorrow. So, we'll catch you in the a.m.